This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. So we're in the season of Advent. Uh, Last week I said that uh, our theme as we journey through this season is prophecy. We're reading from the book of Isaiah, or Isaiah, who was a prophet. It's helpful for me to think of prophets as preachers. Uh, Maybe if if that word doesn't land well with you, another word could be a poet. And as preachers or poets offering a prophetic word, their role is to really do two things. Does anyone remember what the first one is? What what does prophecy do? Yeah, it's helping a community imagine. So when you think about things like a prophetic word about hope, what the preacher or, or what the poet is trying to do is to get people who have felt like that part of their brain or their heart closed down a long time ago. The poet is trying to help them reimagine in a time of darkness what hope might look like anew. And so that's the first part. But the second part is that prophecy always uh, reimagines, rethinks, but it also invites Prophetic works like this of communal imagination are never done alone. For them to reach their fulfillment, they have to be done in community. A community of people have to together reimagine what hope might look like. Not for me, for us. Are you tracking with me? So last week we talked about what would a prophetic hope look like? What, what does it look like to reimagine what we mean when we say hope? And what does it look like to invite others into it? And this morning, I want to talk about peace. A difficult subject to talk about. Hmm. You know, um, when I think about peace, and when I hear the passage that was read this morning, I think about this painting from a, a Quaker artist named Edward Hicks. This is called The Peaceable Kingdom. Is anyone familiar with this picture? Yeah, you maybe have seen it. Uh, uh, one, one, let's, keep it let's keep it there. Um, I think uh, this version may have been painted somewhere around 1833. It's hard to know for sure. It's hard for me to at least remember because Edward Hicks had this thing where he painted the same picture over and over and over and over again. 62 versions exist of his peaceable kingdom, each version slightly different. It's, of course, a a depiction of the passage that we heard this morning from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion will be together. The cow will feed the bear, and their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the axe. Like the ox, the infant will play near the hole of the cobra. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest, and they will neither harm nor destroy any in that place. (sighs) 
What images come to mind when you think of peace? What images? Yeah. What was that? Lack of fear. A lack of fear. People hugging. What was that, early morning? Oh, that works for me. You know, here's what I want you to do. Uh, why don't we just take a minute? Uh, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I'm, I'm trying, I want to give this a decent amount of time. I want you to turn to your neighbor and just talk about how you might define peace, right? It's incredibly easy for me to give you a peace sign like this and say, like, yeah, peace. What does that mean? It's really easy for me to say, oh, we just need some peace. What am I getting at? When you say that we're working towards peace, what definition are you holding at the heart of that? So uh, turn to your neighbor, and I want you to struggle through this. I want you to try to come up with something that works for you, works for your neighbor. Talk about what do you mean when you say peace? Is that me? Your feedback, is that me? That's what I was wondering. Yeah. It was early. Okay. I was just wondering. I was wondering if there was a hot spot. Did anyone, did, anyone, uh, da, 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 did anyone hit a home run on their definition of peace? Yes. Yes? No? Yes. They suggested it and they went, yep, that's it. Yep. <laughs> then you're at peace. Yeah. Let me hear. Let me hear what you came up with. Jan, let's hear what it is.
Carol? We talked about that if we all allowed space for everyone, um, space for Muslims, space for people of different races, mm -hmm. space for ourselves, if we would allow people to have that space, there wouldn't be, we would be at peace. Okay, so inclusion? Yeah. Radical yeah. inclusion? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being encompassed. Well, just resting with God. Okay. Absence of conflict. Absence of conflict, which happens. So uh, needs met and feeling love. Mary? That knowing that we want everything to be calm and quiet, there are opposites, and there will always be opposites. And we can be at peace even when we know that there is something or another really raucous sure. going on the opposite side that we can mm -hmm. be at Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, on that note, I think regularly about the difference between silence and stillness, right? That I can say, like, oh, I just need some silence, but I can still have raucous things going on in my head. And what I'm really trying to, or what I'm really craving is some sort of stillness going on, which can certainly exist while there's still chaos or uncertainty or unknown, right? I had never seen that painting before. Yeah. And I think of, um, like, at Christmas time, there's such high expectation. Oh, yeah. And when revolution doesn't happen, and you think one way, and your sister or your brother-in-law yeah. another. The turkey's not done yet. And, and it, just, it just doesn't come together. But eventually, if you can negotiate or talk it out, you can each have your own ideas. And wouldn't it be wonderful if family members could come to that? <laughs> yeah. What do we got, Dr. Dale? Yeah. To me, fear controls your thoughts and actions. The lack of fear is peace. Okay. Which allows you to choose your thoughts and your actions. Yeah, I mean, fear can be quite controlling. It is hard for me to imagine. Um, fear and peace coexisting? I think peace has qualities. Such yeah. as loving kindness, all this, a feeling of all is well. Those are just all the things we've been talking about. All those things come together and you just feel like it's okay. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's okay. Right. Which is similar to what Mary was saying. Connected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Betsy? Yeah. Right. Which is probably at the heart of one of the things Carol was saying. That it's really hard to provide inclusion. Or in a church like this to have, uh, to be able to say all are welcome. 
if we don't have compassion, we don't have respect. Dan? <laughs> the place this is happening is not, and for me, peace can be a place when somebody says sure. peace. I visualize one of my favorite quiet spots out there. It's a sense of place. Yeah, yeah. That probably resonates with a lot of us. Haley? So I think if we can all learn to walk in humility and not always try to be right. Sure. Mimi? You might imagine that our house is not always peaceful. <laughs> um, but something I don't always remember in the midst of yelling and screaming and time out is that when everyone has what they need, and, and I think that that's one of the things in the painting is everyone's mm -hmm. needs are met, yeah. that peace at a two-year-old level <laughs> I heard Stan McIntosh say something. I, it might have, uh oh, it might not have been you, but I. It was from this general section. I remember someone saying it, it's maybe partially a state of mind. That resonates with me. I don't know if it resonates with you. Um, I think one of the things I struggle with when I think about peace is that it's incredibly easy for me to make peace a product that someone will offer. Peace, as in something that is like a brand. Peace Incorporated. Th that's ever accentuated when this group says, we've got peace figured out. We're going to fight for it. But the problem of, is, of course, that this group says, we've got the copyright on peace. We, we've got peace figured out. We're going to fight for it. A lot of that represents the sort of cyclical nature that we think of when you hear the word peace. It's around and around and around. Have we ever had peace? Of course, that dilemma that I feel is the absence of God in my envisioning of peace. I have to draw myself to confession that when I gather like this, when you gather like this, on the second Sunday of Advent, as we are awaiting a Messiah, we come together like this to confess that peace is not a brand. That it is ushered in and grounded in God. I remember something that one of my professors taught me in seminary about the word prophet. And it was that the spirit makes the prophet. It's not the other way around no matter how fancy your language is, no matter how much conviction you have, no matter how hard you fight, 
it cannot make up for the absence of the Spirit in yourself. Many of you hinted at this in what we talked about with peace. That if, if you can't find peace here, it is not going to appear elsewhere, no matter how hard we fight, no matter how loud we get, no matter how big the crowds grow. In fact, many of you can probably think of times where you've seen protests that have started to turn divisive, either within themselves, within people who are relatively on the same side. The necessity for us to be able to find peace, again, not peace rooted in the right brand, but peace rooted in God is the prophetic step for us, and it is so stinking hard. Because often the type of peace that we hear, certainly from Jesus in the Gospels, is not an easy one. It's one that is regularly last and not first, powerless and not powerful, one that is infinitely forgiving. That is hard to do, especially during the holidays. I, I think about that picture from Edward Hicks. I want to look at it again. Um, you know, he had 62 versions of it. One of the things that's interesting about the way this painting developed, right? It's different, right? But it's still, it's clearly the same, same, same thing, but it's, it's different. Um, one of the interesting things that... Um, art critics have noted about the way that Edward Hicks's peaceable kingdom developed is that as he aged, and he existed in a time that was full of a lot of tension and full of a lot of strife, certainly is still true for us, he was feeling it in his own personal life. It started to surface in some of the paintings. So look at this one. It's slightly different. I think we can go a little bit closer. So go a little closer to one of the images Now, that's still within Hicks's imagination of the peaceable kingdom, and yet, quite intentionally, the faces of some of the animals that were looking calm are now maybe a bit more tense, crying out, either in agony or frustration, fear, anger, violence, both of those, of course, strong predators, yeah? Let's see if we can zoom back out again. Um, again, this is another one. Now, um, zoom, zoom in one more time. Yeah, that's good. Did anyone notice this? Now, of course, this is in the background of the painting. Uh, these paintings probably occurred in 1830s, something like that. The time between the War of 1812 to the era when this painting would have been commissioned was a tense time for the relations between Native Americans and the growing United States. 
A, a lot of critics think that what's happening in this picture is William Penn, who's the founder of the Quakers, establishing a treaty with the Native Americans. Of course, that treaty would have happened about 100 years earlier. And so in many ways, a lot of critics think that one of the things that Hicks is experiencing, one of the tensions at work in his peaceable kingdom, is that it hasn't yet happened. He's living amidst a, a world where a dominant tension for him was that even those who live within close proximity to each other are fighting, and we can't get along. And it has an effect on the way that we're imagining peace. See if we can zoom back out a second. You know, one of the phrases that I hold on to when I think about Advent is that it is a season of now and not yet. Now and not yet. Here, Edward Hicks was depicting tensions between Native Americans and the government in the 1800s, reflecting on something that happened in the 1700s. And of course, we know that many of those same tensions exist today. We live in a season of now and not yet. It's not just for Advent. Many of us have caught a glimpse of what peace could look like or might look like. But we still have to live with the reality that in many ways it has not yet happened. And so there exists a challenge for us. Last week I told you that in imagining hope, the way that the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah illustrated it was not with like the jingling sound of Christmas bells. For Isaiah, hope sounded a lot like people bending machine guns into tools used for gardening, taking things that were used as shields for protection and instead making them planters. There is a great deal of fighting and work that needs to be done in order to move towards peace. But this week, as I'm thinking about a prophetic peace, I confess for myself that it is way too easy for me to get down the road of what peace could look like, realizing that peace exists nowhere inside me. Or if it does, it's because I've bought into a certain brand of peace. And peace that comes from God is peace that I have a hard time accepting. And so I want to commission you, and I want to challenge you to be advocates for peace. I want you to fight for it. But we need to find a way to do so while being messengers and poets of the peace of God, not just the better brand. To be able to find a way, each in our own language, in our own roles, in our own families, in our jobs, to be able to retell what the peace of God might look like in the world today. That is a great challenge, and it's one that I hope you accept.
It is what the Hebrew prophets, what Jesus claimed as shalom. It's what we sing every Sunday. It's a lot more than just an absence of conflict. It's a deep, abiding presence of God in our lives, in all of our lives. Peace. Peace is not easy. But I dare you, I dare you to rethink and reimagine what might it look like to both claim God as the central foundation of your peace and to think of new ways to share that with others and to invite others 